0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Odd with Aubrey. In this show, I'll be collecting weirdos and telling their stories. Thanks to those of you who have been patient. I've been traveling a bunch, so my schedule has been a little wonky. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and you can always find links at www.oddwithaubrey.com. If you'd like to get in touch with questions, comments, or suggestions of people you'd like me to talk to, you can always get me at aubrey at oddwithaubrey.com, on Twitter or Instagram at Aubrey and as always, that's with no E in my first name. So this week, I'm going to speak to Gerald Jagoda. She's a friend I have in Los Angeles who does a lot of social media for entertainment, and I think you'll find her perspective on the topic interesting. I'll also be debuting a funky new short section with none other than my friend Andrea Belke. So Andrea and I will be speed dating. We'll be asking each other questions so you can get a peek inside our friendship. I'll be sharing some of those questions today, and it will be a reoccurring segment over the course of a few podcast episodes. So let's go ahead and call Gerald. Enjoy the show. Gerald, welcome to the show. I am excited to have you on here because I think you're a very interesting person. You've done a lot of things in your life.
1: Thank you, Aubrey. That's so sweet of you to say. Ah, uh, well, I
0: know your family, too, and you guys are crazy in the best way. And you also share um, an overlap with social media and interest in social media like me. So yes. to, to kick things off, can you give people kind of the rundown on who Gerald Jagoda is? Where where did you grow up? What kind of person are you? Where do you live now? Well,
1: I am a transplanted New Yorker. I live in Los Angeles and I was born on Long Island, which I know you can probably hear in my accent. And um, I I lived a very basic Long Island lifestyle for many years. And then uh, I went to college and I became an actress. And I acted for about, I guess, about 15 or 16 years. And then I got married and became a mom, which was my most happiest place in my whole life that I ever did. And uh, then I went on to get divorced. And when I got divorced, I needed to figure out a way to stay home with my kids. And it was right around the time that Facebook had started and social media was, wasn't even social media yet. I don't even remember what they were calling it then. And I got involved with Facebook and A friend of mine wanted to set up a a fan page and I did it for her and I did it so well. She said, oh, my goodness, you need to start a business because you're really good at this. And then my company, Social Media Darlings, was launched. That's when that started.
0: What do you think it was that kind of led you to the social media, like in your background? Uh, Was it being an actress? Was it seeing a need for something that maybe
1: wasn't? in Hollywood? No, it that it wasn't even that. It was, I think it was that I took to Facebook so quickly because, you know, I, I've always been obsessed with connecting people and networking. And, you know, I was always that person that said, Oh, I know who you should call, you know? And I, I was always putting people together. And with the onslaught of all this social media and all this new way to connect, I just I just took to it, and I really really loved it. And plus, you know, I was I was able to build a, a niche and build a small business and stay home with my kids, which was really my ultimate goal at that point in time.
0: Right. So there really is like a lot of flexibility
1: that goes along with social media. Well, there's flexibility, but you know, back when I was doing it. Not all companies had social media departments like they do now. So there was a lot of opportunity, uh, you know, to work even corporately from home. As you know, that changed, you know, drastically over the last 10 years. Now, there's not a, you know, if if you have a business that doesn't have a, a social media connection, you know, you're left in the dust. It, it's 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 absolutely it's, yeah, true. It has You can't not do it. And and a lot of companies when I started went kicking and screaming and didn't really get it. You know, my slogan used to be um, dragging you tweet first into the social media frontier. <laughs> it's so true. People didn't understand the power of it. They totally didn't. And, and to some extent, they still don't. And some of the older businesses still, you know, they'll they'll hire me and we'll do it. But they're not, you know, they go, oh, yeah, sure. But they don't understand the return on investment.
0: What do you think the reticence is? Do you think it's because people don't realize that it's actually kind of an art form engagement and that some people just kind of cast it aside? Like, that's something that teenagers use when they're not in school. You
1: know, but you know what I think it, it, it also is? I think that they couldn't understand why they had to pay for something that was free. And in order to really do it, they needed to hire a professional or somebody who knew what they were doing, who knew how to to uh, build a community, who knew how to engage. They had to move forward, and they didn't know how to, and they didn't really want to, to be honest with you. In a lot of cases, yeah, it's so it's it's it really has changed. What year did you start your business, Gerald? I guess it was about two thousand and seven or eight was the first company that I that I built, um, which was Social Media Darlings, which my dad always hates, hated the name. <laughs> it was too cutesy. It was too cutesy <laughs> for him. But oh, I like it. Though. I got a lot of business that way. So that worked. Can you talk about,
0: um, I know you might not be able to talk about specifics, but your range of clients. It just strikes me the kinds of things that you tackle, uh, a lot of things that are very much in the entertainment business and then other projects on the side. Any any interesting stories from any of your time working in social media that you could share?
1: Um, You know, before I came into doing what I'm now, which is social media management and, and crowdfunding also, which has taken me in a, a completely different direction. I, I spent yes. a lot of time building my my circle of influencers and um, I was I fell into an incredible group that call themselves the Twitterati. and uh, yes and we as a group, we did a lot of really exciting things. We worked with Vanity Fair and and uh, tweeted uh, the Emmys and the Oscars. Uh, we went to Vegas and tweeted the Billboard Awards one year. I mean, we did a lot of really, Really fun and interesting things. Let, how do I say this? It's not sustainable. You know, it, I mean, the the contacts I've made will, are fabulous, and I still use them to today. But there wasn't um, a living in that, so to speak. No,
0: it was probably um, more fun to be doing like the live yeah. stuff. Yes, but
1: then that you know it took me in a completely other direction when I got I got asked to join um, my current partner, Gretchen Landau, on a crowdfund. Uh, for a fabulous film that hopefully will be out next year called Feminists, What Were They Thinking? And it was my my first crowdfund. Um, And Gretchen had done one before, and we really were flying by the seat of our pants. But what we really were able to do is find a way to, a, a formula to use social media and put it to the crowdfund and use that in order to make the crowdfund a success. And right around that time, people were getting it that you couldn't really do a crowdfund without social media. Uh, Right. It's so
0: inherently social. I mean, it's using connections to find people with similar passions and raise the money for a cause. People
1: didn't understand. They were going in and they were, you know, putting up a Kickstarter and saying, okay, (laughs) you know, what show me the money (laughs) and they, and they weren't because you know, so what we do is we go in and we, before we even launch the Kickstarter, we start to build a community. And if it's for a film, What's great is we build the community before we even launch the Kickstarter, people who are, might be interested in the subject, people who have connections to the, right. to the material, and we build a community from that, and then we launch the crowdfund, and that community continues to grow as the crowdfund grows, hopefully as it's successful, which it, which it's not always successful. I don't. I, we don't have 100%. But the crowdfund is the basis. But then what happens is you build this community throughout the crowdfund. And so you have a built-in audience by the time you finish your project and you take it to distribution or you take it to the festival circuit, you have thousands of people who are already cheering for you. That's so powerful. It is. It is. And it's fun and it's exciting. And I have worked on some fabulous films and which actually it's such a document. They're mostly documentary films and documentaries are so slow that even, I mean, there's like three of them we're working on now that we've been working on for years that probably all the law probably going to finally come to fruition in 2018. So all probably all at the same time. So hopefully what happens is, you know, we stay with the project. If, if the, if the client can afford us, most of these are starving, struggling filming, right? We stay with the project and kind of manage the social media and then they they bump us up or, you know, rehire us again when they go into full distribution mode or festival mode. I am really enjoying
0: it and I, I love that part of it. Too. And you, you really like the content of the film you're working on it's right now. But that
1: happens to be really key to it because if I'm not passionate If we're not passionate about the subject matter, it's really hard to keep up the energy of the crowdfund. It's very, very exciting, but it's grueling. It's a grueling, grueling thing. So if you're not really into the subject matter, it makes it a zillion times harder.
0: Now, can you talk about the subject matter just a little bit more on this particular project? Because I think it's particularly interesting with everything going on in our country.
1: This feminist, you mean feminists? What were they thinking? Yeah. It's an incredible film. It's a documentary based on a book of photographs taken by Cynthia McAdams. There you go. And Cynthia took these pictures back in the 1970s. She 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 wanted to see, with the onslaught of the women's movement, if women's faces were changing. And she started taking pictures of friends of hers and uh, in New York City and then in Los Angeles. And some of them were celebrities, celebrities. Um, uh, there's Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. And cool. some really famous women's movement people like Gloria Steinem, you know, people who were at the front of the women's movement back in the 70s, who were marching and everything. So Joanna Demetrakis, who's an amazing director, who's been a documentary filmmaker for years, decided she was going to revisit all of these women that were still alive.
0: Oh, that's very and,
1: cool. And interview them. And it's really amazing because they're talking about, you know, the first wave of feminism and what happened then. And it kind of examines where we are now. The truth is, is that we're not very much further along than than we were then. I, I mean, and there's a whole generation of girls, which I am a part of. I, I admit it in the middle there who thought it was done we, you know you know we thought we were past it it was taken care of you know we went out into the workforce and you know it wasn't mad men anymore it was you know people were hiring women but we didn't realize how unfair everything still was and it still is to this day so this this kind of uh, examines the next few waves and and gives a peek into what the fourth wave might actually look like the history of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it talks about the history of, of, of the whole movement. And then it talks to people about, you know, where, where we are and what we need to do. So it's a very, very interesting film. And, and Lily Tomlin is just amazing in it to listen to her talk and Jane Fonda too, who, you know, Jane Fonda has been through literally the war, (laughs) you know, she's been, outspoken for many many years when it wasn't you know when it wasn't feminine or pretty to be outspoken and she took a lot of heat for it too I
0: love it I think it's so important the history you need to know where you've been to know where you're going I love things like that
1: for the younger women also to know this history because without a film films like this that how are they ever going to know what really transpired and what really happened
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's so true. And I think that's something that you have a very cool kind of niche in that. And I'm not I'm saying this out of love. You are definitely a little bit in an older demographic than a lot of the people that take social media as a career. And that is true.
1: That is true.
0: It is true. But you have a lot of life experience to kind of bring to it. And I think in the kind of work and the projects that you work on you kind of show how social media is imperative for everyone because this is the kind of world in which we all communicate
1: now. Yes, but isn't that funny that that's, you know, that people, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not insulted by you saying that. It's absolutely true. And actually, when I was interviewing for my teaching job, because I teach social media at, um, at Academy right. of Art University in San Francisco, one of the things they asked me was, well, how do you know what's going on? And aren't you too old? And I went, excuse me, <laughs> what do you mean? I can, I can research it as well as the next person, you know, social media changes on a daily basis. You have to constantly, you know, be up on what's going on. And I said, yeah, I'm up on it, you know, I mean, it was like, it was a bizarre question, but you, it's, but I understand why people would think that, you know, it is a young person's platform or people think of it as, as such, because the kids, first of all, the kids aren't even using Facebook anymore and they're not using email, they're texting or they're on Instagram or Snapchat. I mean, it, it, that's how it's changed already. So the people on Facebook now it's my opinion that they're mostly my friends (laughs) are on Facebook, you know, the people from my generation, you know, all the baby boomers, which I am proudly a part of are on Facebook. And, you know, look, when in history, when in God's history, have you ever been able, would I ever have been able to be friends with all of my high school friends that i that I was friends with.
0: I mean, never. It's a very powerful thing. I've used it. it. I've used it being out, as you know, in Los Angeles. It's helped me reconnect with people from high school. I never would have known what happened in another time, another place when we didn't have Facebook, as much as I don't use that on the day to day. I would never have been able to find these people. And I reconnected with several people from high school that are fantastic. And it's kind of like a beautiful thing that I could say, hey, you were great. Let's
1: chat again. Right, right. And now put this into perspective that I grad- graduated from high school over forty years ago. So I've reconnected with people from my childhood. You know, I came from a, a very tight community on Long Island where we were we were very, very close. All of us, our friends, and we hadn't been in contact for years. And when it happened, when when Facebook happened, and we all started finding each other. It's like I talk to them all the time online now. you know they post, we all comment on it, we all see each other's grandchildren, we all see each other's life happenings. it's you know good and bad and it, it's very powerful. it changed it's, it was a game changer.
0: Now can you can you talk a little bit about teaching? what what exactly do you teach?
1: Uh, I teach in the motion picture and television department of the Academy of Art University and I teach a couple of things. The first thing that I teach that I love teaching is I teach crowdfunding and social media for the entertainment industry. So I teach all of these young filmmakers who are getting ready to graduate and go out into the world. I teach them how to do how to build a crowdfund. And in the class we they actually you know, sometimes take a, an actual project that they have that they're going to want to do this for and they build the crowdfund from soup to nuts, from, from the log line to the pitch video, they make a pitch video and they, uh, we actually build a crowdfund page. So when they leave the class, they literally could probably launch a crowdfund the next day if they wanted to. So it, it's kind of like it teaches them also everything they need to know to build the social media community around the crowdfund also and the tools of how to do that and and, and where to find, uh, you know, certain, you know, things that will progress it, right. you know, that help build the community.
0: It almost sounds like it could be in the business a business school, too. I mean, that's the thing about social media it can fit into the the school you're teaching at. It can fit into anywhere. It could almost be like an overlay on anything. And it
1: is. And there are other departments in this school that have social media. There's a big fashion um, department, too, that also teaches social media. All of the schools are teaching it now because they have to. And now some of the schools are and – and I believe uh, Academy of Art even offers a certificate in it now, um, to be honest with you. What's great about what I teach is that these kids who are graduating – wouldn't even have a way to fund a first project, but here they have an opportunity to fund a first project and the tools on how to do it. That's awesome, that's super yeah. cool. Yeah, it is.
0: Do you enjoy teaching? Now, that's not something that's something you just kind I fell of fell
1: into it. I never, ever, I never, ever, ever imagined myself to be a teacher. Totally, that's something I admire
0: about you. You, you uh, kind of go on this journey and you are. I think of you as a professional networker and you're open to all sorts of things and then you just end up doing I, them. It's kind of cool. I go with you,
1: the flow. I go with the flow, baby. <laughs> like, Oh God, now I really sound old. <laughs> no, you don't
0: Now, I, If you are allowed to talk about it, I don't know. You, you did some work on the Ricky Lake show, right? Yes.
1: That was, that was part of my introduction. That was, uh, into the entertainment side of the social media. And I, I made great friends on that. I, and a lot of the social media influencers I am friends with now and that, you know, we still help each other were from that group. That That's where the Twitterati was actually born from. That's that's the group I'm a part of. What we did was we became, uh, we were called friends of Ricky and we built her a community. So by the time she launched her talk show, she had a community of of on social media talking about it and supporting her it, and it was new to television then that was when everybody started you know tweeting along you know um the shows weren't tweeting then now the, now all the shows tweet they even you know all of Shonda Rhimes shows they tweet live during the season premiere and actually some of them do it every every episode they have the actors tweeting along with with the show but so that's kind of what we did when she first got on the air that seems like
0: such an opportunity, especially for talk shows. Are talk shows even really a thing now? Still, yeah, I guess so. Like The View
1: and stuff. Yeah, and they all—they all, you know, I the View runs the Twitter line right underneath it the whole time. It's, it's incorporated everywhere.
0: It is. It is incorporated everywhere. But I, I do think it's interesting that. TV, even though it does kind of incorporate Twitter during shows, I have noticed that sometimes it's not integrated, even though it's there. It's kind of in its own little silo. So I think that people are still trying to figure out exactly right. how to do right. that.
1: And some shows have. Pretty Little Liars has mastered it. OK, I think they even won an award, a shorty award for, um, you know, for their social media because their media. Yeah, it really up. is interesting. Blew up the show. It was successful with the teens anyway, but the social media just went bonkers on it.
0: What are there? How do you keep up on? Do you just kind of consume everything online to keep yourself fresh? I
1: try. I try. It's not easy. You know, I get blindsided all the time. Facebook makes a change that I didn't even know was coming, you know, and then I have to go in and change all my clients pages to catch them up. I mean... It's really, really difficult. I have a few people, a few gurus and things that post about it all the time. Social Media Examiner is a great site. If you you know, want to know what's going on uh, social media-wise, um, I use that. I follow Mari Smith. I There's a lot of people who started from scratch when I was starting that I still follow. It's so wide open. I mean, talk about like anybody can do it. I mean, that's why... I don't really see competition. I help everybody. I don't compete. Yeah, that's awesome. We all awesome. help each other. If I have a crowdfund launching, I I I hit up all my the influencer friends and they tweet it out and some of these people have hundreds of thousands of followers and it helps me. And I do the same for them when they have
0: some. I think that's a happy. great attitude to have. Like I've I've learned that people can be competitive, but it's it's best to be competitive with yourself and people can kind of elevate each other by right. helping each other. Right. Which is a little hard after you play the game I've played uh, to be in that mindset all the time, but I've actively decided that that's where I'd like to be. Right.
1: It's true. And, you know, one of the businesses that I was working with early on, this was this was like when I was just starting, and I was building their Twitter account and I was talking to them and I, and I said and you need to follow so and so and so and so and they said well wait a minute those are our competitors and i said exactly those are your competitors right. yes exactly and, and they said no 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 we don't want them having our information i go this is this is the internet they they can find your information anyway number one and number two you build a relationship with them online it it it's okay. It's, they didn't understand that it was okay to do that. I mean, I'm hopefully, I don't even know what happened with that company. Hopefully they, they eventually did it or they, or they don't have a footprint. That's for sure. It's been a, it's been a diff, you know, it's a, like we started talking about at the beginning, it's a huge learning curve, you know, and it's not, it's not nothing. It's, it's something. And everybody who has any, any business or an actor or a filmmaker, and you have to put your internet footprint out there. Because if you don't, you're you're sunk. Even when people apply for jobs, the first thing they do now is Google you to see what comes up or how fast you come up. And if you're a filmmaker and you don't come up, and that's silly, that's so easily remedied, you know, by building a website and putting yourself out there and having a business page and having a Twitter account. All you have to do is have that, then your name will pop up immediately in a Google search
0: yeah it really it all it all kind of pulls everything digitally together
1: and it has and you have to you can't not
0: do that and survive nowadays so what's the state of social media today because you were talking about we were talking about the importance of history you need to know where you've been to know where you're going and that was in terms of feminism but what do you think about social media today and where it is going
1: who the hell knows I mean, every time time you think, you know, that something else can't be added, some other app comes, some other platform comes. I I mean, it's really exciting. There's there's no limit. I think that it's going to continue to grow. I mean, you know, Facebook has what billions of billions of users now. I mean, it's crazy. It is. It's totally crazy. I think that it's going to be the way we the way we communicate eventually. I I don't know what's going to happen to the phone, but the phones are really mini computers now anyway. It it can only get better. It's not going to get worse. It's going to get better. Though some people shouldn't be allowed to tweet. Um. Uh,
0: yes. What is the, what is the major <laughs> offense? What is like the number one offense you see when you're like, oh my gosh, don't well, do you know, that
1: Cyberbullying, And I see it and I've seen it. And I've been, I, you know, I haven't been bullied, but I've been close to people who have been being bullied. It's just like any kind of bullying. It, it needs to stop and it needs, you know, you need to be aware of it. And, and it's not, it's a little concerning how we
0: communicate with each other. And when you're on social media, you really see it. With the big red blinking light every right. day of like, oh my gosh, what's happening?
1: Right. And you have to be, you know, that's why you have to think before you post. Think before you tweet. You have to have some consciousness about what you're sharing. 100%. And especially, you know, I have teenagers. I have young kids who are going off to college. And I I keep saying to them, you know, they're they're like on Snapchat, which they say, you know, you know well it disappears mom and i'm going i don't care you don't want to put anything out there that could ever come back to haunt you when you're going to get a job when you're going on a job interview it
0: scares me for kids who don't whose parents post certain things and it's like the child has no control over what their mom is posting it's insane
1: yes well my boys will tell you they 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 argue with me all the time But I'm sorry if I need to share cute pictures of them anyway. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. You can't help yourself. I cannot help myself. It's part of being a mother.
0: That's okay, Gerald. We'll forgive you. Is there anything else? What else do you do in your life? And uh, you live in L.A. And I think you have a lot of interesting people around you. What's your favorite part of living out in – I'm in Los Angeles right now. So what's your favorite part of living out here um, as opposed to the East Coast, or what what's it like here? What's a day in the life?
1: Well, you know when i when I was thirty, I got on an airplane and I moved, and I never turned around. I never looked back and I never went back to New York. I love New York. I love to visit New York, but i, I it was like I always felt some connection to California from when I had visited it before, and I just wanted to be here. I love the weather. I love the people. I have really well, you know, my kids grew up here, so I have friends that I've had from nurseries from their preschool days, you know, that I'm still friends with. So all my all my people are here. So um I, I guess it's a it's it you know, it's not like it used to be like they used to, when I moved out here thirty years ago it was like, Oh, uh you know, it's a different lifestyle. It's laid back. I don't find it laid back. I, I hustle with the best of them. You know, I'm running around all the time. I I just really like the, the. I like the weather. I like the atmosphere, you know, and I like the, the networking out here. I love putting people together through my work, you know, when I get somebody a job and that makes me happy. That makes me really happy.
0: It's cool. It's perfect for someone who is very social and adventurous and like open to all different kinds of things. Yeah,
1: plus when you're living out here, what's different about it than New York is, you know, you're, you're 20 minutes from anything. You're 20 minutes from the mountains. You're 20 minutes from the ocean. You're 20 minutes, 40 minutes from Disneyland. I mean, what could be bad? What more could you want? <laughs> nothing, nothing. The happiest
0: place on earth. If people want to follow you, Gerald, learn more about your business, what you're working on, what you offer, what is the best way for them to Uh, do that? The best
1: way would be, I'm on Twitter, my name, at Gerald Jagoda, J-E-R-Y-L, J-A-G-O-D-A. Also, you can check out my website, impactsquaredproductions.com. Awesome. And uh, you can take a peek of some of the stuff we do and and what we do and crowdfunding and, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, and I'm on social media all the time. So you can find me anytime you tweet me. I'm, I'm there. I'm always there.
0: You are someone who offers a perspective on social media that people don't even realize is a need is an art form is also a science. And I think you do it well. So.
1: Thank you, sweetheart. That's so sweet of you. I just have to say, Aubrey, that you are one of my heroes. And as I, as I would sit here and watch you on survivor, I would just, I would, I, I was just in awe of, of your stamina and of, you know, and the way you handled people and every, I mean, you just, you were, you were my hero of that show both times. I have to tell you.
0: Thank you. Crazy you know. people whisper.
1: Crazy people whisper. That's right. That was your jam. And that, and you know what? And the, and you do it well. Thank you. And and that is so funny. You are the crazy people whisperer. I love that.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, I I have mad respect for you and all of the Jagodas and Bernies, which is the other
1: side of your family. Yes. Well, thank you for that. But yeah, anything anything
0: else you'd like to share? No. No. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. Um, I just want to, uh, I have an uh, 18-year-old going off to the University of Santa Cruz. Yeah. And I, I want you all to send good vibes. We that will. He, that he should go <laughs> and stay there, okay? <laughs>
0: I know, right? For you, for your sanity. Please, please let him have a great experience. We will send him good vibes. Yes. Thank you for taking the time. You are the best. Okay, sweetie. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. I will talk to you soon. Okay, sweetheart. Bye. I hope you enjoyed Gerald's perspective on social media. Now, let's try something a little different. As you guys know, I love meeting as many people as possible and getting to know more about people I already know. So let's dig into some speed dating. I pulled all these questions from eHarmony. So let's give them a try in getting to know one of my favorites a bit better. Andrea Belke from Survivor Game Changers. Let's give it a whirl. Andrea, welcome to Odd with Aubrey. I am so excited to have you. We're going to try a little bit of a new format today and people may know me as your third showmance on Survivor. So in honor of that, I thought we'd do some speed dating. Hello. Wow. You just turned down the welcome, Aubrey. Thank you.
2: I did.
0: So how are you doing, Andrea? How's it going?
2: Uh, Things are really well. I mean, obviously, we just went through the whole game changers thing. And we talk all the time. I'm kind of coming down from that and just enjoying my summer and not putting too much stress on myself to have extra projects. So working at people, hanging out in New York City, and things are great.
0: And part of summer is trying to find summer love. So let's see. Let's see how we do. (laughs) That is true. We're going to jump right into it. So let's get to know the Andrea that you don't see on the TV screen or in your Reddit comments. Oh, gosh, yes. Let's go. Andrea, what's in your fridge?
2: Okay, wait. I'm running over. I'm running over. Okay, so look, I'm not much of a cook, but I have. first thing I saw was walnuts, which I don't think those are supposed to be in the fridge. So I think I'm going to take those out. <laughs> um I, what are they doing I in think there? When I make my salads? I throw things in the fridge that don't belong there. So I have a lot of fruit. I have a lot of string cheese because I'm really into string cheese. I have oh, there's some chocolate that a friend gave me. <laughs> this chocolate supposed to be?: What kind lucky. of chocolate?: It is called a Cadbury top deck. So it's white chocolate on top and the milky chocolate on the bottom. Interesting. There are eggs. There's beer. There's turkey bacon, and some almond milk. It's pretty boring.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I was expecting something more like a Cornish game hen well, or something. Yeah, but from look, you. I
2: don't, I don't, I don't cook. And well, I make chicken, and then I make salads, and I bake oatmeal. But that's pretty much the extent of it. What about you, Aubrey?
0: Okay, I'm gonna go look.
2: Give me a sec. <laughs> I feel like yours is going to be yours is going to be a lot more exciting.
0: No, it's kind of boring because I'm traveling right now, so I'm in an Airbnb with a hotel fridge, one of those mini ones, and I have microgreens from Trader Joe's. I have baby kale, uh, four avocados, blackberries, cherries, almond milk, and Lacroix grapefruit seltzer. Are you? Do you put avocados in the fridge? Uh, yeah, if you put avocados in the fridge, they actually don't go bad as fast. So if you get them soft when they're really ripe, you can kind of keep them at that perfect spot for a few days longer. So I tip. do not know
2: that. Now I'm learning things.
0: All right, so let, let's go on to another one. That's, that's interesting. I think you passed my fridge test, so I'm okay. okay with that. Okay, so what's one thing about you that would surprise me? Well, this
2: is the tricky thing is I feel, that, I feel like you know so much about me. Like, anything, any deep, dark secrets, I think we've already covered, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think so. Because we've talked about everything. So, did you know that I have a fake front tooth?
0: You have a, are you serious? Yeah, I didn't know
2: that. Yeah, my fake. No, from what? My front tooth, my front right tooth is fake. And it's because it got knocked out when I was playing basketball in eighth grade by a guy that I had a crush on. Aaron. Ooh. Yeah, so we were, we were exactly, we were playing basketball, loving but, basketball. Uh, hit in the face with his elbow, and then my tooth was just dangling. So my front tooth is oh. fake. So it's like yes. a cap. If you ever, hey, if you yeah, and if you ever pay close attention, it's actually a little darker than the rest of my teeth.
0: What you don't know about me is that I have a dead front tooth too. No, you
2: don't. No, you don't. Wait, really? I'm
0: looking at which one. Okay, so if you're like putting your finger. On your two front teeth, it's the one to the right of my right big tooth. I didn't know
2: that. Wait, but it's not a fake tooth. It's just a dead tooth?
0: It's a dead tooth. So I had this thing when I went to the dentist that it was called something indentata. It sounds like a horror (laughs) movie. And it's like a little tooth within my tooth. So the little tooth within the tooth killed off the nerve. And I always joke that it's like my long lost twin that I didn't know I had at birth.
2: Oh my gosh!
0: Do you know when people find out they have like twins that they find like in their shoulder as adults it's years so later? Creepy. It's like that. Yeah, <laughs> gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I have this weird genetic tooth within a tooth. <laughs> Yeah, and they had never seen it before. It was only like in the dentist textbooks. Oh gosh. That's weird. I didn't know that. But yeah, it's super creepy. Anyway, on that note, let's move on to something a little lighter and less dark. What's your favorite movie, even though you're not a movie oh, person? I, you
2: gotta have I work something. For, like, I work for people and I interview celebs. So I I do watch movies. I just kind of get very distracted movies. <laughs> I don't fit still well. I will say a movie I really like, and it's kind of for the nostalgic reasons, is Braveheart. Not a big fan of Mel Gibson anymore. However, growing up, that was the first movie that my parents let me really watch. And it's not even a good movie to let your kids watch, but very violent. But I really like that movie, even though it's not historically accurate. I think I'll always have a soft spot for Braveheart. And then... I also like the movie Gone Girl. You know, Oh, I you would that like
0: that movie, you nut.
2: I love that movie.
0: What? Like, I thought it was good, but one of my favorite movies? No way. Like, what What did you like? Because the woman's crazy? Because Ben Affleck's in it? What? I'm what? Like,
2: no, I'm not a huge Ben Affleck fan, but I think I'm really fascinated by twisting the stories and there's always two different sides to everything and reality is very blurred and also she's like a mental nutcase. I don't know. It's very interesting to me. I liked
0: it. So like psychological kind of thrillery stuff. Yes.
2: Definitely. Totally. What about you?
0: So I've got some, I like a lot of movies that people don't like. I have a soft spot for Waterworld. I have a soft spot for The Fugitive because like your parents not having a filter with Braveheart My parents didn't have a filter either, and I saw The Fugitive in the theater, and I lost my tooth. What's with teeth in this I don't know. (laughs) I lost my tooth, but that just shows you, like, you shouldn't be of age where you're losing a tooth and watching The Fugitive, and my sister, who's three years younger than me, was in there, too. Uh, I love movies about aliens. I love the movie Signs, Contact, as I discussed with Troy Zan. And then I love movies where nothing happens in that it's a lot of character development, but there's no kind of net change or something super drastic doesn't happen, but it's a peek into a character's journey. Uh, There's a movie called Meek's Cutoff with Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, and Zoe Kazan, and it's about people on the Oregon Trail looking for water and it's just like how they got through this hard situation oh yeah Andrea do you have any nicknames and if you do where do they come so, from so
2: when I was younger my parents called me Fruit Loops when I was really little because I ate a lot of Fruit Loops that is a and great nickname in high school in high school my nickname was get ready for it Barbie <laughs>
0: barbie oh no
2: so bad i know it was the basketball team they thought i looked like a barbie so, like, they my that was my name especially on the basketball team was barbie but it was everyone liked it and i didn't mind it so everyone, people called me barbie looking back it's kind of embarrassing but at the time i was like okay i mean there could be worse nicknames there could
0: be but i think i'm partial to fruit loops yeah i like fruit loops that's cute Mine was Oddzilla because I was a little weird and quirky. So A-U-D-Z-I-L-L-A because it was kind of a play on Aubrey. Oddzilla uh, was my main one or OBS. People, I don't even feel like saying this because it's my litmus test for people. If people start calling me OBS too early, it makes me uncomfortable. But if I've gotten to know somebody and they naturally default to OBS instead of Obby or OB, I know that they're like a good person like how you judge dog versus cat people. Ah, I see. Cuz Ob is you just, know, ugh, you know, obby, ugh, I want Obs, but you can't do it too early or I'm not down.
2: Yeah, I don't think I could call you Obs. It's kind of I I think it just doesn't come naturally for me.
0: No, you're a little more mm. as much as you're a little fruit loop. You <laughs> Yeah, you're a little nutty, but you have almost a decorum about you or like an etiquette kind of thing. Maybe it's part of being on camera a lot for your job, but it would be weird for you to call me OBS, I think. Yeah, I
2: think it would be weird. I have college friends that call me Dre Dre, too. That's cute. Auntie Dre Dre. That's one of my friends, Dan, called me. No idea. Not an aunt, but he, yeah, to this day he calls me Auntie Dre Dre.
0: That sounds like a stage name. (laughs)
2: it's my snap it's my snapchat name which i don't even use snapchat anymore but snapchat my thing is auntie dre dre interesting i
0: like it all right andrea four questions down let's do one more and we'll finish the rest on another podcast you are throwing a dinner party andrea this theoretical dinner party who would be your ideal guest if you could invite anyone from past present or future, if you have a time
2: machine. Oh, man. I think Aubrey Bracco. <laughs> oh, you're such a kiss-ass. Uh, I mean, maybe Amelia Earhart. I love her. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Just bring on Amelia. I played her in the school play. You did? <laughs> yeah,
0: I was Amelia Earhart, Back from the Dead. That's awesome.
2: I think she'd be a great guest.
0: So that's my first whack at speed dating. I'll be sharing more of my chat with Andrea on another podcast and drop me a line if you want me to chat with you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Odd with Aubrey. Catch you soon.